Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today we are studying in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 23. Here's Pastor Ryan. The backslider's looking back. So the prayer must be for the backslider, help me to absolutely disdain what I used to be. Not in a sense where I'm going to be like a self-fatalist hatred of myself, but to really, the sins that I did almost landed me in eternal prison. Hell. I don't want to go there anymore. I don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. But it's, it's those that aren't discerning who are still dabbling, like it's cool, like his blood didn't die for that. Like he didn't die for that. So there has to be a healthy disdain of the old life. Ephesians 4, verse 22 through 24, Paul says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you Put on the new man which was created according to God in the true righteousness and holiness. Put off, put on. Put off the old man. Put it off. Do away with it. The former conduct, what we used to be, unrecognizable. And I would pray that, Lord. And I still pray that today. Help me to be the man you want me to be and help me to disdain, to hate the sin that almost killed me. Help me to hate even the appearance of evil. We have to see the warning signs. We have to see the sin. We have to see the evil and stay away from it. Right? Isn't that what the Proverbs teach us? That a, that a righteous man sees evil and hides himself, goes away from it? Doesn't the Bible say flee youthful lusts? But there are people that are playing with all that. Not fleeing youthful lusts, playing with it. God doesn't say play around with sin. If you do, if he was to say that, we'd all fall. He says, flee from it. Let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. So his son Jehoahaz was dispersed, taken to Egypt where he died. And then King Necho, he put his brother uh, on the throne, Elakim, the son of Josiah. And he renamed him, changed his name to Jehoiakim. And the crazy thing about him changing his name, it's, all, it's just like a show of con- power, right? It's a power chip control. Your name is no longer, it is this. Now, it's a beautiful thing when the Lord changes Peter's name, right? Or our name or Paul's name from Saul to Paul. Those are beautiful things. And the devil tries to take beautiful things and twist them into bad things, right? And so here we have the king of Egypt renaming him just to show his control over him. And so Jehoiakim gave, or it says here that, and Pharaoh took Jehoahaz and went to Egypt, and he died there. So Jehoiakim gave the silver and gold to Pharaoh, but he taxed the land to give money according to the command of Pharaoh. He exacted the silver and gold from the people of the land, from everyone according to his assessment, to give it to Pharaoh Necho. And Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jebudah, the daughter of Padiah of Rumah, 
And he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. And so King Jehoiakim, according to Jeremiah, was a very wicked king. And he reigned for 11 years, as we just read. But Jeremiah tells us in chapter 20 of his book that he was greedy, that he taxed the people, and that he also uh, killed Urijah, one of the prophets of the Lord that was warning the people to repent. Urijah was killed by this king, the son of Josiah. And he actually ran off to Egypt in hiding and Jehoiakim sent his men and went with them to Egypt, brought him back to Jerusalem, and killed the prophet of the Lord. So he's a wicked king, 11 years as a puppet king to Egypt, but he was wicked. And so you have Josiah's kids here. None of these kids came out loving the Lord. They chose, like boldly to just not walk with God they rather than walk with God they chose to be self-sufficient and to depend on the pagan gods of the land crazy isn't it Josiah was such an amazing godly king and yet his kids decided to go a different route we don't know why we don't know why we don't know why there's speculation but the reality is, is that I'd like to learn from other pastors' experiences and other Christians' experiences. And in my walk with the Lord, I have learned from some of the older pastors who's, who regret not spending as much time with their kids. So that their kids, even though their parents were very godly parents, their kids, because they didn't have enough time with their parents, came out not really wanting to seek the Lord and having a lot of problems. I've heard it more than one time. I've actually have heard it from more than one pastor, guys. I've heard it. I've, I've seen, and they have become the greatest grandparents. Guys, they've become the greatest grandparents. And they say, you know, we put the ministry before the kids, and we won't do that with our grandchildren. And when I call them, they're with their grandchildren. They're with their grandchildren. They're with their grandchildren. And so, who knows? Josiah being a king has a lot of responsibilities. Amen? But I know that, you know, all of us as believers, we have responsibilities in our life. We work. We have uh, our lives to live. We're busy. We have different shifts. We have, you know, travel time to and from work. Some of us. You know, I think we can learn from the experiences of people, but also from the kids of these good kings, the ones that did not follow in their footsteps, is to make sure that we are passing on our faith and that we're not too busy to pass on our time and our faith. I think it's, they go hand in hand, time and faith. Time and faith, raising them up in the ways of the Lord, and when they're older, they shall not depart. To raise them up in the ways of the Lord is to spend time with them. I cannot just pass my faith to my kids. I need to spend the time with them. Because if, if kids feel that, that their mom and dad are too busy for them, they really are not going to grasp or care about the faith that we're trying to pass to them. Amen? So I am really at peace with not overly 
pushing ministry on our church, on you or on myself, but to just let the Holy Spirit lead us, the Lord, in a way that is sacrificial still, but also the family does not suffer too much. It's a sacrifice for all of our kids, but, and we want to teach them sacrifice. However, not to the extent where they feel like mom and dad are never around. We have to do whatever we can to spend time with our kids, with our spouses. And I've heard, uh, you know, ministers take the wrong route. They think it's like some sacrificial thing to God if they neglect their wives. But God called you to be married. Am I coming right? Am I, am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then why would he call you to have a wife if you're going to just bounce and be the conference speaker at everyone's churches and leave your wife in the dust? Why are you going to leave the kids and be the conference speaker? You've got to be there for them. I don't want to be the conference speaker. And if I do, from time to time, I'm going to take everybody with me and we're going to have a great time in the hotel pool eating a warm breakfast, preaching the gospel and coming home. To, you know what I mean? I mean, there's a way. But I say this to the career-oriented people, businesses, busy schedules, like, you know, those guys who have like half a day a week off, quit it already. You're a Christian. Put it on the prayer list and let's pray that out of your life. You need to rest. Busy is an acronym that, that means being under Satan's yoke. And if he can get you too busy with your job, with your career, with, oh, I always wanted to do this. Yeah, but you have kids. You have kids. You know, it's like there are some people who have these delusions of grandeur that they want to like travel the world and, and leave their kids behind so that they can go do their career it's come on dude you have kids chill stay home when they're older travel amen, amen. help me lord you know we can't put our kids off to you know sunday school and say oh they're gonna come out okay kids man they're so good at discerning realness aren't they they know and you know you just take me to church because you don't have to watch me you just take me to church but you don't you don't love the Lord they'll see that you, we have to love God and love them and that gives them the best chance to when they're older to choose for themselves whether or not they're going to do it in his day Nebuchadnezzar I'm glad that's not my name imagine writing that name <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came up so in Je Jehoiakim's day the, the famous Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came up and Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years then he turned and rebelled against him, and the Lord sent against him raiding bands of Chaldeans, that's the Babylonians, bands of Syrians, bands of Moabites, and bands of the people of Ammon. And he sent them against Judah to destroy it according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by his servants, the prophets. And so Jehoiakim was his vassal, was subject to the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, but yeah, he rebelled. He says, yeah, I'm not going to pay. So the Lord said, oh, no, 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 no. 
It's not between you and Nebuchadnezzar. It's between Judah and God. They rebelled. So the Lord led the floodgates open. Because God defends Judah, doesn't he? And God defends you and I. And our Lord loves us. He's a gracious father. And our very defense is in his hands. Our very life is in his hands. That's why the righteous are bold as a lion. Because we know God watches us. So, the Lord allows the floodgates to come and, and more uh, raiders come in to attack them. But Nebuchadnezzar, this is the first intrusion into Jerusalem. There'll be three where they take captives back to Babylon. This is 605, 605 BC. And captives are going to be taken to Babylon, including the young prophet Daniel of the book of Daniel. But Nebuchadnezzar, you know him. He's one of the most famous foreign kings in the Bible. You read about his story in the book of Daniel. And we see that uh, as of the Babylonian king, he would, they were different than the Assyrians in that they would leave all the, all the, all the, the poor people in the areas that they conquered, but they would take back the strongest, the stout, the, the wisest back with them. And he would allow uh, conquered peoples to keep their idols or their gods, but he would take all of their gold and everything else that belonged to him. But he was one of the most famous kings in the Bible. He was, uh, and he believed that he would, receive, would have more cooperation from his prisoners if he let them keep their gods. When he conquered Judah, though, he would meet the one true God through Daniel and his friends, as you know the story in the book of Daniel. He was a very prideful king. He tried to king, he tried to kill the servants of the Lord, and you know the story, God protected them, the three servants, and would show Nebuchadnezzar that though you're the most powerful king on the planet, God is above you and more powerful than you can. He's the one, he's the one who is in control. So Nebuchadnezzar, to me, is a, is a cool guy. Just his story was really cool, how he would turn around and end up giving glory to the true God of Israel. But in his pride, the Lord allowed him to have a mental illness for seven years, as you know in the book of Daniel, for seven years. He lost his mind for seven years. And then one day he just popped up. And he would say in Daniel 4, verse 37, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice. And those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. So the Lord taught him about humility the hard way. Amen. So that's who this Nebuchadnezzar is. And so uh, Jehoiakim rebels. And so Nebuchadnezzar and his armies are coming down at this point. And... Um, we're told in Second Chronicles that he actually takes Jehoiakim captive to Babylon and then releases him and then Jehoiakim will die in Judah. But he sent them against Judah to destroy it according to the word of the Lord which he had spoken by his servants the prophets. And then again verse 3 the writer writes surely at the commandment of the Lord this came upon Judah to remove them from his sight because of the sins of Manasseh according to all that he had done and also because of the innocent blood that he had shed for he had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood which the Lord would not pardon. And so as the writer explains again 
This is going down against Judah because of the word of the Lord, because of the sins of Manasseh, King Manasseh, and for the shedding of the innocent blood. He had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. And it's not like Manasseh went around killing people. It's talking about forcing their children to die as human sacrifices to these false gods. It was an ancient form of abortion, sacrifices to the gods, their children. So again, it's repeated again. I'll say it again. Abortion is a huge matter to Jesus Christ. It's not a small matter. It's a huge matter. Proverbs tells us that God hates the shedding of innocent blood and children are being killed. Innocent children are being killed. And this is why I, don't, I feel that no Christian, really born-again Christian, can in his good conscience vote for a Democrat. For the Democrat Party is the one that endorses abortion, taxes our citizens for abortion and family planning, who also supports partial birth or afterbirth abortions in New York City. That if a botched abortion happens and a baby survives, that the doctor has the right by law to go ahead and kill that baby that's still alive on the table. This is grotesque, but biblically, you have your answer. It's an abomination to God. And again, the writer happens to mention that again. And I don't know why so many minorities vote that way, because it's minority babies that are being killed the most. It's, it's such an evil thing, and I, I just pray for our country, for, for folks to have their eyes wide open to what's really going on. But look what he says. Uh, this was the commandment of the Lord. This came upon Judah to remove them from his sight because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he had done, and also because of the innocent blood that he had shed. For he had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not pardon. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? So Jehoiakim rested with his fathers. Then Joachim his son reigned in his place and the king of Egypt did not come out of his land anymore for the king of Babylon had taken all that belonged to the king of Egypt from the brook of Egypt to the river Euphrates and so Egypt's no longer coming out that's how powerful Babylon is guys very very Powerful, where Egypt is now subject to Babylon, the whole world is coming under Nebuchadnezzar. And we're going to be able to read more about what happens to Judah the next few weeks. But um, Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar next week will read how they besiege Jerusalem and they take all the articles out of the temple and they take them back to Babylon and put it in the temple. And Jerusalem's going to be just destroyed, trampled, and desolated. And, you know, it reminds me of what's going on today uh, in Israel, as all of you must have heard. Maybe if you haven't heard, but rockets are being thrown at Israel by Hamas. And uh, I think it's over a thousand, over a thousand rockets have flown into Israel from Hamas. And I think only a little bit over 200 have flown back to Hamas, more precise, more on target. Israel has that Iron Dome. 
But we need to pray for Israel. We need to support Israel. Because God is not done with the nation of Israel. All of prophecy focuses on the country of Israel. All of the country, all of prophecy focuses on Israel. God is not done. And just like King Herod the Great tried to kill the babies of Bethlehem to get rid of the Messiah, the devil is still trying to get rid of the Jewish people because the Bible tells us that there's going to be a revival of the Jewish people and they're going to recognize Jesus as Messiah finally, but that's going to take place during the seven-year tribulation that's going to come upon this world. I don't believe that we're going to be here. The Bible says that we are not appointed to wrath, but through salvation, uh, through Jesus Christ. And so I believe the church is going to be raptured and snatched out of here before all of that takes place. But we can see the signs. In two days, Israel is going to have their 73rd anniversary of statehood. No other nation has been cast out of their land. And they're being cast out here. They're being cast out. And they're going to be taken into captivity for 70 years. And then they're going to come back. And then during Jesus' time, he said, not one stone will be left upon another. And we know that General Titus, the Roman emperor, I mean, the Roman general goes in there in 70 AD and, and destroys Jerusalem. You can see the Ark of Titus in Italy, in, at Rome, and you can see the actual inscriptions of that very event. It took place. What Jesus said would happen, happened. And so Israel was cast away. They, went, they, they were spread out throughout the whole world. But God prophesies prophesied through Isaiah, through Ezekiel, that he would bring his people into the land in the last days, that there would be a revival, a physical one, and then a spiritual one. And I've been to Israel, and before Israel became a, a, a nation, and they went back, before they came back, the land was desolate, desolate. There was nothing growing there. It was a it was a dust bowl, and then all of a sudden the land began to bloom once the Jews came back in, according to God's scripture, God's word. And so there's been a physical rebirth of that nation, and all of prophecy is, is spiraling since, 19, uh, since 1948, May 14th. It's spiraling towards the end. Israel. So when you hear about what's going on, Oh, they're trying to paint it like, oh, it's a social justice thing. Oh, poor Palestinians, poor, poor uh, Hamas. No, 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 don't get it twisted. That's the media. Media is full of just deception and lies. And if you believe that, what can I, well, I don't know what to say to you. Don't. <laughs> don't. Don't believe it. There are other news sources that you can listen to. I like Israel, Israel Today. Uh, magazine Israel Today. Write that down. Israel to get a subscription. Check them out. They're uh, Messianic Jews. They're believing Jews who know what's going on. So pray for Israel. This whole book is about Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews. So don't let anybody convince you that God's done with Israel. There are churches who absolutely believe He is. And it's called replace, th replacement theology. And it's wrong theology. It's of the devil. God's not done. Read Romans 12. God says if he can be done with them, then he can be done with you. That's what he says. So don't think he's done.
pray for Israel. I think the next uh, event in the prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. I really do. And then the Ezekiel War that's going to take place when Russia goes down there and the uh, Arab countries go against Israel. The Antichrist is going to be some, some amazing order, politician, who's going to be able to broker peace between the Arabs and the Jews and build that third temple. And then in the middle of the, the three and a half year period of the Great Tribulation, he's going to betray them and call them to worship him as God. And then they're going to run. They're going to run. And that's when they realize, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapin, above.